This episode of Okie Podcast is brought to you by Southwest Trading Company. If you've not been to Southwest Trading Company, please go do that right now or after this podcast. But the location for Southwest Trading Company is 1306 East 11th Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Southwest Trading Company has so many items from so many different artists like jewelry, art, blankets, cedar boxes, clothing, collectibles. You name it, they got it. So why not shop at Southwest Trading Company? Go like the Facebook page, follow the Facebook page. To keep up with all new events coming out the store and items. And once again, that location is 1306 East 11th Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Go check them out and let them know Russ from Okie Podcast sent you. Welcome back to Okie Podcast. And on this episode, I have a very special guest, comedian, and one of the hosts of What Is Wrestling, Ethan Sandoval. Hey, thanks for having me on here. What's going on, man? Oh, you know, just just living the dream, you know? Like I hate that phrase. I don't know why I always say that phrase. <laughs> it's, uh, I used to when I was like working in retail, and like my coworkers would ask how you do, and I would just go dying slowly, and it would always throw them off. <laughs> dying slowly. <laughs> they would get so they would be like, "What?" And I would be like, "What? It's not. I'm not wrong. I'm factually correct." <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I'm doing good. I'm I'm uh, moving to Chicago, so that's kind of taking up a lot of my time and planning out some of my farewell shows and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, just focusing on getting my life together. <laughs> so you going there alone? Yeah, yeah. Moving, moving alone. Uh, I'll probably be. I'm looking to move June first or second. That'll be wow. when I'm I'm getting into my apartment. Dang, you buy an apartment? I'm I'm uh currently in the process of shopping for apartments hmm. and it is uh not fun <laughs> i am not enjoying it at all yeah. it's uh it's like ah you'd think like hey i have money and i want to buy a thing from you and they're like mm, well we're not gonna sell it to you and i'm like but i have i have money and credit i have good credit <laughs> i've like put out like 20 i've reached out to like 25 different apartments and six of them have gotten back to me Whoa. and i'm like what's going here i'm i'm reputable maybe i don't know i haven't killed too many people it's fine you come on you could dress me but yeah so that's that's what i've been doing lately that and like cleaning up you know so cleaning up my house that Mm. i currently live in to like uh, because i live with family so i'm like cleaning that up so they can remodel (laughs) exciting stuff very exciting it's the universe man they want you to stay here Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm yeah so i can't get an apartment yeah yeah, exactly. There's 
that dang universe. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> I shall spit in thine face. Um, uh, the universe is going to kick my ass. We all know it. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting though. Chicago. Yep, Chicago. What, what the job just led you there? Or have well, you yeah, been wanting to uh, yeah, I wanted to move to Chicago back in like two thousand twenty. <laughs> back like back before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like I remember January telling like my family, like I was get I'm gonna make this year my year. You know, I was turning twenty five. Uh, everybody says the year you 20, turn 25 is the year that your life changes for whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't buy into any of that garbage. Like the whole, like, the, oh, the Mercury's in retrograde. I don't, whatever. Cool. I don't. <laughs> life happens and you just do what you can. But uh, the people were like, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to make 25 my year. And I had a conversation with people and I was like, I think I'm going to try to move to Chicago this year because I've been wanting to do it. And then. Uh, March 2020 happened and wrecked everyone's shit. Yeah. My, March yeah. 2020 happened, and I was like, "Well, <laughs> never, never mind. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna wait, I guess." <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So then, uh, beginning of February, I started applying in Chicago, and then, kind of like last week of April, I got a job offer. And, Whoa! Uh, yeah. And so now I'm now I'm moving. First day is June 5th. Damn. Yeah. Now, was that, how does one go, was that Indeed? Did you yeah, go oh Chicago yeah. Indeed? Yeah, I just went to Indeed. I looked up Chicago, Illinois, and I work in accounts payable currently. That, that's what my job was when I was applying. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so then I have just been, I was just like, accounts payable positions in Chicago that, you know, pay this much. Uh, and then I just started applying to ones that I was qualified for. Nice. Eventually, what actually happened was one reached out to me and it was like kind of, it was like 25 miles southwest of Chicago, you know, so it was like kind of far. And I live far from like downtown and like Tulsa currently, like my commute uh, for work now is like 22 miles. So like a long commute, it's not a problem, but I was like, I kind of want to have my job be downtown so that I'm downtown a lot and getting that experience. And uh, uh, so I had that job. The, that job op- sent me the offer. I was going to start the 22nd. That was what was going to happen. And then the day after I got that job offer, another company uh, that is a nonprofit reached out to me and was like, hey, we'd like to interview you. And I was like, okay. And so then they ended up offering me a job offer and they're like smack dab downtown center uh better pay better all that stuff and so i was like oh yeah absolutely and it's a nonprofit that works in early education which is a thing i like mm-hmm. am uh, uh passionate about you know f- family full of t- or family with teachers in it and and uh you know, everyone's all pro education so uh yeah i was like okay that that works better for me so that ended up making it so i wasn't leaving till I wasn't starting work for another two weeks. Mm. So, yeah. And uh, now I'm... This is my first week of being unemployed in, like, two and a half years. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, man, what do I do with all this time? Sleep. Yeah, I know. know. I've been sleeping until, like, 11, and then I wake up, and I'm like, what fucking year is it? 
I'm so tired. I, I slept for 17 hours. How am I so tired? But yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's interesting being like I'm one of those people like I started working when I was 16, mm. and then just never stopped working until like I got laid off in 2021. So I started working when like. 2016 or when i was 16 so that was 11 years ago mm-hmm. and so i for like eight or nine years i just was always working then i got laid off in the pandemic uh and unemployment was really good at that time and it was right around the time when i got my stimulus so then i was able to take like seven months off and like i just remember being like i don't know what to do with all this time i'm just gonna freak out and just like just do anything that I want to. And uh, apparently anything I wanted to became playing a lot of video games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, that's, that's exactly what it became. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so um, that was kind of the that. And then I started working again at the end of like 2021. And then, yeah, and now I'm moving to Chicago. And it's uh, super crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, uh, I th- yeah. I don't know. It's a weird thing to 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 conceptualize. Like I was just thinking about the other day, where it was like in September of twenty, what was it, twenty one? I accepted a job for like fifteen dollars an hour, and now I'm in accepting a job that's almost double that pay. Mm-hmm. And it's like uh, I I realized that what what I was started realizing was like I was not betting on myself enough and not like making decisions in my best interest and the second i started doing that things like really turned around and uh yeah so you know just remember like your your value is way more than you think it is and uh and uh push push for that you know fight for yourself true that's always true it's hard to do because it is you don't i don't know it, it's it seems like for me it was easier to just always doubt myself right exactly it is i I had this realization uh, a while back where uh, I realized that I was afraid to like things. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, and because I found out, uh, kind of in the same vein, I found out it was easier to have people think you're weird because you don't like something than it is to have people think you're weird because you do like something. Mm. Like, I don't know. Like, it's, I think it's because, like, if you don't like something, that's whatever. Yeah. You know, you know people, plenty of people don't like things, right? But if you like something, that means it's kind of like a part of who you are. Yeah. So then if you think, if people don't like you for liking it, that means they don't like you. Yeah. You know, they don't like the thing you like. That means it, which is, I think, why a lot of people get really defensive of the things they like. So it's always, I just try to remember that, like, you know, Life's everybody likes different things, mm-hmm. and it's fine to be different. But yeah, in fact, it's like one of the best things. Just being you. Yeah, just yeah. being you. Just being you. Like what you like, and mm-hmm. not care about what anybody has to say. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I have to like uh, all the time. Like I, before, I was like was doing a lot of job interviews. I was like going. Uh, I would be like sitting there waiting for the job interview to start, and I'd be like, "You're charming and likable." charming and likable you're charming and likable and just having to say that over and over because it's really easy to forget like to to lose sight of the like positive aspects of yourselves Mm -hmm. because we as humans have a a strong negativity bias like you know we 
it helped with survival when you like spotting the things that are wrong and like pointing out the things that are bad. But now that things are like better, you know, for society and humanity as a whole, I think it's better to, to, you know, be like, yeah, I could be negative in this moment or I could try to find the positive. So that's what I try to do. And, uh, yeah, it works sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, that negativity is strong. So. Man, it is. Yeah. I, I try to, even when something negative happens, man, I just, I take it on the chin mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I just think like, I mean, that was bad, but it wasn't like that bad. Right. Right. Like exactly. I just have to move on and I can't, you know, I'll allow myself like five minutes to be like, fuck piss you know like oh you know just feel it and then be like it's real it happened Mm -hmm. and there's nothing i can do about it yeah because it happened yeah and i just have to understand that and move on and still create this positive outlook about Mm -hmm. anything i do like damn that didn't fucking work out Mm -hmm. fuck why not yeah and i just have to think about well what can i do next time or something Mm -hmm. like i think like the last thing was like a co- we had a car and it just kept fucking up mm-hmm. and I already put like money into it mm-hmm. and I was like damn it I was like we could have just bought a new car mm-hmm. or not bought one but put a down payment for <laughs> what I spent on that car for a new one mm-hmm. and then it was just like man it just already happened mm-hmm. down amount money so fuck it yeah and then we just had to bite the bullet and try to get a new one and so it was a whole process, man. And we just I just kept thinking like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna get the right one. Yeah. You know, we're gonna get the right car, whatever it may be, use new I don't care, mm-hmm. but it's gonna work, it's gonna it's gonna be better than what we have, which is nothing. Right. <laughs> yeah, so but I mean it's 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 hard. It it takes a lot to have that kind of outlook on things because mm-hmm. I grew up like just like I said, doubting myself. Mm-hmm. And then you believe what people would say about you some a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Like they count you out or they just already feel like, you know, you're you're worthless. Mm-hmm. Right? Like and you start to believe that. Mm-hmm. And it's easy. It's like, fuck, I am worthless. Like yeah. I don't have anything to contribute to society or my community mm-hmm. or anything. Yeah. They're right. Yeah. And it's so fucking it got it. it Thinking about it now, I was like, "Damn, man!" Because that's how I used to feel, yeah. and it w- and it sucks to hear me think about the past and be like, "That's how I thought." Yeah, that's 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 what I was feeling, mm-hmm. but I kept it inside. Also, I didn't tell nobody. Yeah, exactly. But, but now you know it's easier to talk about, and it's easier because I've recognized like that's that's shouldn't you should never talk like that. No. Nobody should ever feel that way about themselves, and like you said, like you're worth everything mm-hmm. and bet on yourself mm-hmm. you know that's that's what i had to learn i had to learn all this stuff like f- fuck i'm 30 about to be 35 and i'm just now like two years has been like a learning process to mm-hmm. create this kind of mindset yeah and it's not easy no it definitely is not it's not it's not easy at all it's uh it's a skill mm-hmm. that you have to practice and uh uh it is, you know, as he, like I said, that negativity bias, like, you know, 
and just like how society works and things like that it definitely wants you to be negative and to yep. look at that because that's how like a lot of like capitalism works mm-hmm. you know like uh, the the makeup industry where it's like feel garbage about yourself so therefore you buy these things to make yourself look better mm-hmm. and it's like or you know just accept that you look the way you look and capitalize on that yeah. you know i uh, on that like subject like I, you know, I'm a big guy. I've always been a bigger guy. Uh, started, you know, with my weight, and uh, I, re- I remember like when I was in like junior, senior year of high school. I felt so like ugly and fat and all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, I went to college, and my weight really spiraled out of control, and I gained like easily like a hundred pounds uh in like a year and then like i ended up gaining like another like 150 pounds uh on top of that 100 pounds Mm -hmm. so then i went back and looked at some photos of what i looked like in high school and i was like i was like really fairly attractive you know like and like a lot of friends who've looked at me have been like looked at those old photos have been like yo you were like super not you know and but like in my head i was like fat and disgusting and like gar- and it's you know uh it's very easy to get in your head and only see the negatives yeah uh and you have to like practice seeing the positives and pointing them out in yourself uh but yeah man is it is it a hard thing to it's really hard to start doing and it's not easy to do regularly and uh, you know it's a skill to remind yourself that you you all have setbacks like whenever i you know whenever i have to do a show like i think i'm really funny until i have to do a show Mm -hmm. and then five minutes before a show i look at all my material and i go i'm garbage and i was never funny (laughs) like i did some about it i go like i'm funny i'm funny i'm funny and then i'm like trying to figure out what jokes to tell that night and i'm like none of these are funny why did i ever think any of these were funny <laughs> and then i gotta be like no they work they work they make people laugh just do them just do them and you gotta like fight that like that inner inner demon uh that inner imposter syndrome but, yeah. yeah that's oh man you hit that for me too man because i i was bigger in high school mm-hmm. i was a often defensive lineman so you know bigger yeah and i felt the same way i was like god i'm like so fat and like ugly and then i just had all these fucking negative things like you just brought up and then i went to college and same thing i when i got to college though like there was a lot there wasn't a lot to do so Mm -hmm. i was still you know athletic enough to do stuff on my own Mm -hmm. it was an art school so we didn't have like any sports team but we had the capability of going to a gym and working out so me and my friends we'd go work out and I mean, food wasn't, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. Right, right. And so, and did a lot of drinking. I think that's what helped me lose a lot of weight because, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't drink so much, you know, after high school or anything. I was always working. But when I went to college, though, that's where I really picked up drinking. Mm-hmm. And it does clean you out, <laughs> like, yeah. if you're not fucking used to it. Yeah. And so I drink all the time and I was doing like uh, supplements Mm -hmm. and then I was like hardly eating Mm -hmm. and pumping. Mm -hmm. And so I lost like about 70 pounds 
And I don't know what happened that next semester I went back, stayed around the same. And I don't know what happened, but summer break came and I fucking just went out of control. Mm -hmm. I gained so much weight. And the same thing happened again. I was like, God, I'm so fucking huge. Like, what are people going to think? Like, I, I, I can't, I left, I relatively smaller and now i'm going back like fucking huge Mm. and so but nobody gave a shit nobody said anything and then i knew though i was like i gotta do something because i mean i I don't know why i don't know i just laziness i guess like well i got home and i just started eating a lot and just sleeping yeah (laughs) and watching tv and then like i wasn't doing shit but but i look back on like all that like there's pictures of old me I'm not even that big. Yeah. I'm big now, but yeah, exactly. I'm way bigger now. But yeah. I'm <laughs> like back then, back the time when I thought I was fat, I was like 220, 240. I wasn't even that big. And then I get to like 450 and I'm like, what the fuck? I thought I was fat. If one of my friends who was 220 oh told me God. he was fat right now, I would punch him in the dick. Yeah, I would be yeah. like, fuck you, you piece of shit. How dare you? Do You don't get to claim fat. You That's my word. Fat's mine. You don't get to say that. So, yeah. No, okay. It's so, but it's so crazy how, like, you're just, like, your, your, your concept of, like, of of uh, uh just the outside world and like that filter <laughs> yeah. it goes through when it goes through your brain how it just makes it bad yeah like i i had to stop like evaluating my sets after after a certain point mm-hmm. because like uh i would just consistently think i did garbage mm-hmm. i would be like that was one of the worst sets i've ever had Da-da-da. and then like eight people would come up to me afterwards and be like that was great i loved it and i was like are were we watching the same thing <laughs> And I just realized, like, man, I just think I have such a negative opinion of myself that I can't, I can't even think I did good. Mm-hmm. So, like, that was the thing. You're like, all right, I have to just, like, stop being so critical of everything. Like, I was, you know, it wasn't as good as this one. Well, it's like, well, they're not all going to be the same. It's hit or miss. You know, it's, it's subjective. Sometimes, you know, uh, there's so many variables that go into it. Like, uh, sometimes you tell a joke and then, like, uh, somebody before told a similar joke so it doesn't do as well, you mm-hmm. know? Or, or, you know, sometimes you're touring and you tell a joke about, like, I don't know. Like, you tell a joke about, like, uh, uh, something that happened. Or or you tell a joke about, like, a topic. And then you find out something negative regarding that topic happened in that town. Mm -hmm. But you didn't know. You didn't know. Like, you tell a joke about, like, you know, uh, a football team or whatever. And then you find out in that town, like, oh, their football team uh, just had a horrible season or whatever it may be. And so that joke doesn't resonate with them as well because Mm -hmm. they're in their feelings. Like, there's so many variables to comedy that it's really, really uh, difficult to judge it. It's Mm -hmm. really difficult to be critical of it in a way that is true. You know, Mm because it's easy to be critical of something in the way of that it's just bad, but like to actually be truly like objectively critical about comedy is almost impossible. Yeah, you know, and so 
you know, it's you got to learn to to give yourself grace. You mm-hmm. know, like I always I always say, uh, I always say I did fifteen percent better than I think I did. Like mm-hmm. That's always the mentality I go with, um, and usually it's true. Uh, I, I've never had a set where I thought I did great and actually did bad, but I've had plenty of sets where I thought I did terrible but actually did pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, there's also like. A thing that people don't realize is like just the how much the layout of a room affects how good you think you did. Like if you're performing in a room where the state where the ceiling is really high and the stage is elevated, you can't hear the audience laugh. Mm. So you'll be telling jokes and you'll the crowd will be laughing hysterically. But you can't hear it because you're so high up and the laughter just like evaporates into the ceiling. Uh, that's why most comedy clubs have really sl- low ceilings and short stages. Oh, so you can hear the laughter better. Makes sense. Yeah, <clears throat> and they also usually have like a mic up above the audience that then plays the laughter through the speakers, oh. so that you can hear it a little bit better. So it sounds better. Huh? Maybe I don't suck. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> no. But that is the thing, like, uh, so, you know, it's just, uh, you're doing better than you think you are. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing, you, a thing you got to remember about yourself is like, you, things are going better than you think. Yeah. Don't, don't, uh, don't worry about it too much, you know? Yeah. Uh, but also if you do feel like garbage, sometimes you just feel like garbage. Mm-hmm. It's okay to say fuck today. Yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's okay to say today was a loss and we'll do better tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Man, yeah. When did you start comedy? Like, was it? Did, were you interested like in high school? Well, so I was always, um, according to my family, I was always funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I think one of the first jokes I remember telling that was not like a because I used to read joke books all the time as a kid i love joke books like the old school like how do you make a napkin dance you put a little boogie in it like those joke books i i loved them as a kid Mm -hmm. and why did the idiots keep hitting his head on the wall because it felt so good when he stopped it's just garbage (laughs) bad jokes not good jokes awful uh but i love those joke books so much so the first time i ever told a joke that wasn't from one of those joke books was my my mom was helping me do um like spelling homework like i was like in first grade second grade and she was like helping me like practice for like a spelling test or a vocabulary test or something like that and she goes uh how do you, okay the word is forgetful how do you spell forgetful and i just looked at her and i said m o m she she was like you little turd and but that was like the she you know that was just like one of the very first jokes i ever remember mm-hmm. telling and i would have been like 6 7 you know um and so then um you know i was just i was always a big fan of uh, whose line is it anyway nice. and i watched a ton of stand up uh, but i never ever thought it was something i could do you know uh it was never a thing i thought i could do then i think it was like my sophomore year of high school i went to the drama troupe 
at the Youth Services Center of Tulsa, and I started doing improv there. And uh, I had I loved it. It was a ton of fun. And even then, I still was like, I can never do stand-up. There's no way. I just can't do it. Like, I'm just quick. I'm just quick. That's all it is. It's There's no joke writing ability there. I'm just, like, quick on my feet. And so then um, I uh, went off to college, and um, kind of two things happened. One was my grandfather, who... He was the he was like the grandfather that like did magic tricks and liked comedy too and like uh, bought me like stand up special DVDs like he always was like a big fan of comedy as well. So I was like eighteen maybe. Uh, I think it was like my I think it was my first day of college. He got uh, diagnosed with cancer and it was like you've got six weeks like that it was like you have 70 tumors in your body you're done in six weeks like chemo won't do a thing Mm -hmm. uh so then you know i want to say like a week or two before he died i went to go visit him and uh he and i just talked and you know we were joking around he was i remember him saying to me uh skip this part it sucks and i was like i'll try (laughs) I'll do my best. I <laughs> no promises. And uh, so then he passed away seven weeks after the diagnosis. And then we had his memorial service. And at his memorial service, my aunt, who had been taking care of him while he was on his deathbed, came up to me and was like, do you know you're the last person to make him laugh? And I was like, oh, oh, oh my heart. Oh, my fucking God, my heart. It hurt. I was like, and so there was that, right? So then fast forward a couple years, uh, I'm in college, it's like first semester of my junior year, and I am not doing good. I'm really depressed, I have stopped going to classes for the most part, Uh, I'm only leaving my dorm to go work or get food, Uh, I'm spending all my time playing video games um online uh i've gained you know i've gone from like two two sixty to like 330 pounds um and uh i reached out to my family and i'm like hey i gotta drop out like i'm not doing good and so they go okay so i drop out uh and my dad's like hey you know uh there's this comedy club in town that teaches comedy classes. And so I was like, all right, I'll do it. And that was like May of 2016, I want to say, is when I started doing that. And then uh, I was still 20 at the time. Uh, So then it was like, I consider my start to doing comedy uh, October 4th, 2016. Because that was like, I was 21, uh, and that was when I was like, you know what? I think this is what something I want to do, you know, cause before I had done like maybe five or seven, like five or 10 sets. I hadn't, I hadn't performed a lot before that. So yeah, those, that was kind of like, and so just like, I wasn't sure I could do it until like hearing about like my grandfather and like being like, you know, somebody who is in immense pain and dying, 
uh, and being the last person to make him laugh was like something that really, uh, I don't know, resonated with me a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So then it was just like, I kind of hit a rock bottom in life. And that was when I started doing comedy. So, yeah. 16? 2016, yeah. Seven years ago? Yeah, yeah, seven. Dang. Yeah. So, yeah. Although I did take, I say I've been doing it for six years-ish, mm. five and a half, because from February of 2020 to March of 2021, I did not perform. Oh, really? Yeah, I was in full in quarantine, did not mm. perform, because I was a high-risk person, as was my dad. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, no, I'm just not doing it. So that's why. So I took like a full year off, which is why I say I've been doing it for five and a half years. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So five and a half years. Yeah. 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 What was the class you took when that comedy class? Yeah. So it was it was a class at the comedy parlor. Class is a generous word. Uh, <laughs> I was taught very little. Uh, <laughs> The class consisted of a very good friend of mine who mm. I've performed with many times, Peter Bedgood. He was the instructor. And uh, Peter uh, is a, is this comedy and is also an illustrator. Uh, he does like, you know, uh, Oklahoma people might know. Yeah, he made the Oki from a Skull T shirt. Um, and... Uh, he uh, uh, he does a lot of like stuff like that, like mm-hmm. um, and uh, he's very good, and so he taught the class, and uh, the class really consisted of you writing jokes, going on stage, telling the jokes, and then Peter going, "That's great, go to open mic." <laughs> <laughs> that was the class. <laughs> <laughs> that was the whole class for like eight weeks, one hundred fifty bucks. <laughs> And then at the end of the eight weeks, you did a show. And it was at the um, now-closed comedy parlor, which was, like, downtown on, like, 3rd Street. Uh, right? 3rd? I don't know. It was on a street that was had a number. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, what was it? it closed September 2nd, 2018, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um uh, they now, so the owner of the comedy parlor now owns Rabbit Hole, which is like an improv oh, space, yeah. Yeah. not the bar. It's, uh, there's because there's Rabbit Hole, the bar, mm-hmm. but then there's Rabbit Hole, uh, uh, or no, sorry, it's no longer called Rabbit Hole, it's called Jackalope. It's the Jackalope Theater. Oh, okay. So they own the Jack- Jackalope Theater. Um, and then now the comedy parlor. It was a furniture store for a while, <laughs> and now, <laughs> now it's like a creative space. I don't know. It's, really? Yeah, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I have no clue what it is. Um, so uh, yeah, that's where I got my start. It was a lot of fun uh, doing it, and then uh, uh, yeah, I've just been doing it kinda ever since. Never really looked back. It was just like this is something I'm good at. This is something I enjoy. It's a lot of fun, and uh, I got to keep doing it. And mm. now it's like something I can't not do. Like now I'll just be sitting around, and I'm like, "That's a joke," and I'll just write it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Did uh, so that was Dana was a while ago. So how when you took the class, 
Mm-hmm. And after the class, he was like, "All right, now we're gonna do a show." Yeah. So they they had like what was the graduation show? Okay, yeah, the graduation. where they had everybody who had taken the class would then do like a five to seven minute set. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And uh, it was fun. I had a, it was a good show. I uh, I remember like so we had, like the classes were on like Tuesdays, and then the show was on like Saturday or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like I had like written like five minutes of jokes. But in the eight weeks going up to the the show, and then in between that Tuesday and that Saturday, I had ri- I wrote like another three minutes worth of jokes, and I wasn't even trying. I was just like, oh, I'm gonna write th- this is joke, this is joke, this is joke, and so then I ended up having like eight minutes of material and going up and and performing and uh, having a really really good set, uh, which was nice for like a first set. But the problem was when I graduated the class, I was still 20. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't really perform at a lot of places that were doing shows. Sure. Because they were like at bars and yeah. stuff. So I had to wait until like, I didn't turn 21 until August. And so then uh, I didn't really start performing a lot until like October. Yeah. Who was in your... So are do you still... Are, the people in your class, they still doing comedy? I don't think so. No. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Let me think who all is it. I don't think a single one still does. Chris Godwin what? passed away, unfortunately. Oh, damn. Uh, and then there was Amanda. There was Spring. There was John. There was Jason. There was Michael. And... I th- oh, and there was Angel. Angel still does perform. Angel performs, but he's in Arkansas. Mm. Um... But yeah, uh, other than that, it's it's Angel, me, and Peter, and that's it. And Peter was the one who taught the class. <laughs> oh, he's an instructor. Yeah, he's the instructor. Is he the older gentleman with the suit? That no, 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 shows no, 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 sometimes? no, no, no. That, that's Michael Patton. Oh, okay, all right. That's Michael Patton. My bad. Yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> Peter, Peter is. I feel like I know him. You definitely do. Peter Bedgood. He's been around. A, for a long time, very f- I love Peter to death. I think he's so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, a uh, lot of lot of one-liners, and uh, often has a guitar on stage with him. That sounds really familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. if I seen a picture of him, I'll, I would recognize him. I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> I didn't even know we had like a comedy scene, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until I met. Dang, when was that? 2021. Mm-hmm. So I met. Jordan J.I., I don't know if you know her. Oh, I know Jordan J.I. <clears throat> so our friend Trista told me about Jordan J.I. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, she's a comedian. Uh, she's native. She's funny as hell. You know, she's going to be performing at, the, I think, the Martini Lounge mm-hmm. over here. Mm-hmm. And so, so, yeah, you know, like, I've been wanting to meet some comedians. And so we went, mm-hmm. and it was funny. It was like a ladies' night of comedy. Mm-hmm. And then met her and... That's where I seen King Castro X perform and mm-hmm. Joe Miller and Alex Miller mm-hmm. and I can't remember who else performed there. My bad if I can't remember, mm-hmm. but um But Jordan me and Jordan hit it off. She mm-hmm. came on the pod and it was so weird because later on I met King Castro X to film for him for the rap battle league and stuff. Yeah. And like I was like, bro, like I seen you perform at mm-hmm. the Martini Lounge. He says, "Oh, you're there." Mm-hmm. He's like, "I was trash, bro." <laughs> he was like, "He was saying like I was so awful that night, and I kept looking at my phone and stuff." And I was like, "You did good, man." Yeah. 
And so that's where like I kind of started seeing like this comedy scene here in Tulsa, mm-hmm. even even Oklahoma, yeah. and in Arkansas too. I mean, there's people that come down for yeah. a lot of things. And yeah, there's the Fort Smith crew that comes through a lot. Yeah, and I mean, it just like a lot of comedy stuff is has been happening here. And it was like, I don't know, like I can't believe I never even you know heard about it. Until, yeah. But, I mean, you got to be brought in, obviously, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I mean. You have to be introduced to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's, like, um, and I think other than, like, the few main cities that are known for comedy, like New York, L.A., Chicago, Boston, Denver, mm-hmm. Austin, you know, those places, most people don't realize that there's a lot of comedy, like, locally. You mm-hmm. can, I mean, as long as you live in a, like, slightly metropolitan town like what oh like tulsa has like a population of like what five hundred thousand people uh and the comedy scene is probably 50 comics 60 comics Mm -hmm. and that's considered small yeah you know uh for for most places because like you know places like chicago and 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 new york it's insane how many comics there are mm-hmm. there's just so many um but yeah there's a lot of local stuff that's that's pretty good uh that you can always go see like there's at usually at least like three comedy shows going a week yeah. not including open mics mm-hmm. uh so yeah it's a uh, but it is one of those things where it's very easy to not realize that it's happening mm-hmm. uh just like unless you know someone who knows someone yeah true it's easy to miss yeah yeah was it has it have you noticed like it's gotten was it smaller when you started or is it roughly around the same or has it gotten like bigger the comedy Um, scene it's a little bit bigger for sure um it's also a younger And I don't mean younger as in the people performing are younger. Mm -hmm. Because the people performing range from like 60 to like 19, right? Um, But it's gotten younger in the terms of like, so when I started, there was a ton of comics who had been doing it for like 10 years, 12 years, you know, or, or, and there was a bunch that had been doing it for like three or four or five or six, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I came in. Uh, you know, 2016, and I was, like, considered a baby comic. You know, it was, it was your baby comic. And then, uh, I mean, up until, like, even into the pandemic, I was still considered kind of a baby comic, and I've been doing it for, like, four years, uh, almost, and, like, three and a half, I guess. And then uh, COVID happened, and, like, all those old people stopped doing comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people that have been doing it for, you know, a decade or so. And so then, now a lot of the comedians around town have only been doing it for like a year or two. Um, and there's exceptions, obviously. But, yeah, it was very it was very strange for me to go from uh, one of the baby comics to being one of the old dogs. Just like over, what felt like overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, because, uh, uh, you know, when I went away because of the pandemic, I was considered a baby. And then I came back in like March of 2021. And all of a sudden I was like, uh, 
a historian. You know, I was like, I was a relic of the, I was a relic of the past. And I was like, when the fuck did it, people, like, it was hard for me because before the pandemic, no one gave a fuck what I said. And now there was all these people who gave a fuck what I said. And I, when I was, you know, and so when I was a baby comic, I was like mean, you know, I would be mean to people because it was like, who cares if Ethan's mean? He's Ethan. He means nothing. (laughs) But now, but then I started, I kept being mean, expecting that dynamic. And then people were like, oh, Ethan doesn't like me. And I was like, what? No, I'm just busting balls. Yeah. But but now people cared what I thought. And I was like, why do you care what I think? I'm a dum-dum. What? I don't, What? So that was a really weird transition where I was like, oh, I got to stop being so mean to people because I'm actually hurting feelings. <laughs> I wish people didn't give a shit what I thought because <laughs> I just want to say dumb stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was a that was a big change for me for sure. So were your jokes mean, or were you like? No, 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 not joke. But like you know, like on stage, I really only joke about myself uh-huh. for the most part. Or yeah. just, like, things that I think are dumb. But they are normally things that, like, don't affect anyone else. Mm. You know? Like, mm-hmm. They're just like, uh, it's dumb that we do this. Or whatever. But, um, you know, like, you're comics and you're sitting around a table. And you're just busting each other's chops. Because mm, okay. that's fun to me. It's like, yeah. I, I love, I love like, busting each other's chops and then having, you know, it get thrown back at me. You know? Um and uh it, it i thought it was a lot of fun um but uh uh you know it only people started like taking it uh personally and like i get it like it's it's very easy to take personally and i uh, have at times taken it personally mm-hmm. uh, if you don't realize that like if you don't realize that it's not coming from a place of hatred it's just coming from a place of like you know riling each other up Mm -hmm. and like being like buddy buddy with each other if you think it's like actually genuine it can be very mean Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it can be really hurtful so i completely understand that um uh so that change was and i still struggle with it i still struggle with like like this will be funny and then i say it and it's like incredibly mean and i'm like oh i'm sorry i didn't i didn't mean to say that I was just, I was just trying to be, be like a goofy, goofy guy. <laughs> and it turns out I was a dick. <laughs> no, no. God. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so now, uh, I will say this: like, I'm, in moving to Chicago, I guess one of the things I am excited for is to 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 start over on the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm excited to be, like, because I don't know. I'm not to say that I'm like on the top or whatever it is because but it's like i i don't feel like there's much more to to like do or accomplish uh uh, in terms of like performing in tulsa Mm -hmm. um uh and uh i'm excited to now go to a scene where like i don't really know that many people i know like one or two people uh and uh have to prove that I'm funny. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm excited for that challenge and 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 uh, to like fight my not fight my way up, but uh, you know earn my earn my way up the ranks because mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what I don't know what I live for. What's the uh, scene like over there? Huge, is it? It's <clears throat> giant. Like here, I thought I'm trying to remember. Like Sunday, there's one open mic. I don't 
there might be one on Monday. There's there isn't any on Tuesday. There's three on Wednesday and there's two on Thursday. In Chicago, there's like three every night of the week. Whoa. And a lot of them start at eight and end at two. What? Like, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and, you know, like you'll hear comics say like, oh, you got to make sure the sweet spot to go on is either at 10 p.m. or 1.30 a.m. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck? But that was kind of how when, when I started, there was a mic at the now closed Yeti bar. And you would get there, uh, and it started at, like, 9 p.m., and it was a mixed mic. And there was, like, there, so, like, there was the mixed mic, like, there was, like, poetry, mm. and there was musicians. And the thing about that mic was, like, you would get there at 9, and you would be the fourth person on the list. But because of the way the guy ran it, if somebody was like, hey, can I go now? He he would just go, yeah. So then you would just be... So then I was like the fourth person to sign up, and now it's 1 a.m., and now I'm going up. Whoa. (laughs) Damn. Yeah. And so... But, like, so I've done that. I've Mm -hmm. done the, like, get there early and not go up till super late. So um, I'm not too too worried about that part of it. But, yeah, I'm I'm excited, and I'm also terrified, you know? Mm -hmm. But I'm excited to see, like... Because I've only really performed in the South and the Midwest. You know, like, uh, I'm trying to remember. I've performed in Illinois before. I performed in Peoria, Illinois. Uh, And then, but but I only did it one time. Mm -hmm. And then I've performed in, like, Louisiana, Texas, Arkansas, Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma, obviously. Um, And now I'm excited to see, like, does my comedy translate to, like, a different like Chicago, you know, mm-hmm. does it translate to like a bigger location or am I going to have to change it up? Which I'm almost certainly going to have to change it up somewhat, but mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited to like figure it out and figure out what works for me. Yeah. Yeah. And then all the, uh, connections and network. Oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. I mean, that's exciting too. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, it's new territory mm-hmm. and it's like, there's a, there's a, a giant major, airport hub there Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of like you know big name comics coming through all the time just to because they're like uh they have to like fly from somewhere to another place and then they stop in chicago for a layover Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of stuff like that and yeah damn yeah and there's a lot of comedy clubs and it's gonna be cool oh yeah 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 it's gonna be terrifying and fun and that's what i'm looking for yeah damn yeah i'm excited for you man and i mean like it like with anything it's terrifying yeah it's like god oh no yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) also like for me it's like uh if i fail at least i'm in chicago Mm -hmm. you know like you know what i mean it's like yeah you know even if i fail at my dreams at least i didn't die in the town i grew up in Mm -hmm. you know like at least i tried at least i fought for it yeah yeah so there's that aspect too have you ever done like a roast battle you know i have done roast shows but i don't like doing roasts very much Mm -hmm. like i i like writing roast jokes Mm -hmm. 
but I don't like performing in roasts. Mm. Uh, my issue with them is, uh, very much just that, um, I love roast shows, uh, like the comedy central ones. Mm -hmm. Um, where it's like, yo, we're roasting a famous celebrity and everybody on it is famous. And those make sense to me because it's like, I think the best roasts come from knowing someone and being able, because like anybody can roast somebody on the surface level, Mm -hmm. you know, that's easy. You can roast me for being fat. That's so easy. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the best roasts come from like really knowing someone and knowing the uh, uh, like deep, dark things about them. And that's where you can come up with like really funny stuff. And my issue with roast battles is usually it's a comic you don't know mm-hmm. roasting a comic you don't know. And a lot of the times the comics don't know each other. So all the jokes they tell are very surface level. They're mm. very like, you're fat, haha. <laughs> you have long hair, haha. Yeah. You know, and it's like, nah, man, that's not the that's not the funny stuff. You know? Yeah. So that's my issue with like roast battles. Um if you do them, they're a great joke writing exercise. And I have helped people write for roast battles many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't want to do them. Yeah. It's not for me. Yeah, I know it's like I also struggle with going way too mean. <laughs> yeah, we just covered that. Yeah, yeah. I was, I, I, sometimes I'm like, oh, this will be funny. And then it's like, and I'm like, oh, I was, oh, I'm so sorry. Well, I remember you saying, like, you're quick, you know, yeah. you're quick to say a lot of stuff. And, like, you can be, you know, when you said, you know, people think I was mean, yeah. but I was just, you know, busting balls or whatever. And yeah. it's like, that's why I wanted to know, like, why have you done roast battles? Because I know it's like becoming a thing here mm-hmm. in Tulsa. There's a, I don't know the name of it. I just, I think it's, it's not a roast battle, yeah. is it? I think so. Is it roast battle? It's the one by Brian Bizjack. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think it goes by another name. But uh, I know a few friends that have been on there, and and I was like, I couldn't remember if you were on there or not. No, I've I've never I've written for people who've done that. Yeah. Uh, but I've I've. Uh, I've never done them personally. Uh, I did. I will say this. We did used to do this thing called real roasts, Mm -hmm. which was we would take a movie and then we would dress up as the characters from that movie and then roast each other as the characters from that movie. That's cool. And uh, so we did like Toy Story. We did X-Men. We did Jurassic Park. We did Titanic. We did Grease. We did Batman. Uh, uh, we did like a, all the horror movie monsters, uh, like you know Freddy Krueger and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. that is, uh, I usually write between a hundred to two hundred roast jokes Whoa. for those, mm-hmm. um, because we write all the roasts for like all the characters except for like a few there's a few people who were like you write your own jokes mm-hmm. but for most people we write all the jokes um Whoa. it's like me and landry and uh so yeah those i love doing but those again it's like but because those are funny because you know that character like mm-hmm. you as an audience member know that character you know who woody is mm. you know who buzz lightyear is and therefore the jokes are are i think good and like, uh, 
aren't just that surface level of just like you're dumb looking. You're, you're, you're mama. And like I just, I don't know, man. Was, what was one of the Woody or Buzz Lightyear jokes? God. Can you remember? Uh, 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 I'm trying to remember a few. There was because uh, I feel like I know them personally. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what their. <laughs> Because well, the problem is that we did that like years ago. I know that. Uh, he, okay, here's one that we wrote for Bane because I can't remember any any from like Buzz or Woody. Mm-hmm. That was a long time ago. That was before the pandemic. But f- for Bane, we wrote. I wrote one that was uh, uh, Bane. All your power, like your powers all come from steroids and you're known for breaking bats. Congratulations. You have the same abilities as Barry Bonds. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, very true. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember it. Like, cause yeah. And like, that's the thing is like, we write so many. Yeah. And then like, it's hard to think of past ones uh, because like I write, I've wrote a hundred for that. And then four months later, I have to write a hundred for this next thing. And like, I, I can't think of like any of those, like, um, Oh man. I remember we had candy. This is one of them. So I want to preface this. It's a roast. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the jokes are very dark. Very mean. Mm-hmm. This is one we wrote for um we had Candyman on uh on for uh the roast of um the ho- like horror movie monsters mm-hmm. you know Candyman the guy with the hook and yeah. the bees and all that stuff yeah and uh it's like Candy Candyman how do you feel to be how does it feel to be the most the second most successful painter turned murderer which is I don't know. Do you know the other painter turned murderer? Is it a uh, fuck? <laughs> I think I do. It's Hitler. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking of this other one too. Um, God, he was like a mass murderer and he was a fucking well-known painter. Oh yeah. And I thought I was like, it's either that guy or maybe it's like somebody in history that yeah. I'm just overlooking. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Hitler. Yeah, yeah the, the second most <laughs> the second the second most successful painter turned murderer. Um, but yeah, poor Candyman. Poor Candyman. <laughs> what? A, how? How is he gonna ever be? How can he be scary? Candyman killed like five people. <laughs> True. You know, like um. So yeah, I uh, those are those are always fun to do, but they are a mountain of work. Mm-hmm. So we spend like a whole month working God on those. God damn. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I but I like I like roasts as like a writing exercise, um, but uh, uh, I don't like performing in them. Mm. And that was you and just Landry Miller writing those. You said. I mean, for the most part, I don't mm-hmm. want to say it was because there was a lot of people who contribute to those. Mm-hmm. But I for the at least for the joke writing part, it is mostly me and Landry. Uh, Quinn Blakely also helps out with that, and then uh, other people contribute here and there. But mm-hmm. for the majority of it, for eighty percent of it, it is mostly me and Landry. Mm. Yeah. And then speaking of Landry, that's your other, that's your co-host for your podcast, yes. correct? He co-hosts uh, What is Wrestling. What is Wrestling. Yeah. 
And now what is that podcast? So yeah, that podcast is wrestling is v- pro wrestling, mm-hmm. not the fake high school stuff. And uh, <laughs> pro wrestling <laughs> is very uh, lore heavy. There's a lot of lot of things you gotta know mm-hmm. uh, just to get like because references uh, wrestling is very self-referential. It often uh, references itself and talks about past things that have happened, and I realized that as a new wrestling fan, that can be super daunting. I've been a wrestling fan since I was like eight. I love wrestling so much. And I have just a crazy amount of knowledge about wrestling. And Landry has only very recently gotten into wrestling. Like he, up until like six months ago, the only thing Landry ever really knew about wrestling was like what I told him. Like or, or like what other friends had told him, mm-hmm. uh, but he never really watched it or anything like that. And so then, uh, like six months ago, he started getting into wrestling and watching it. And so uh, the show is me kind of explaining and going through and talking about uh, uh, important moments in wrestling, but we want to make it like short and easy to ingest because there's just so much lore so we try to make them like 15 20 minute episodes so that way you just uh sit down listen to that and then you'll be able to get more and more references and we go over like the lingo in wrestling we talk about like forgotten wrestlers of the past or what makes a wrestler great or things like that as well Mm -hmm. so it's not all just history and lore there's other like fun stuff in there and a lot of the show is me talking about one thing and going off on a long tangent about an entirely separate thing (laughs) uh and we have a whole episode dedicated to that where it's just me going off on a wild tangent talking about like papa shango or or you know (laughs) or you know uh uh, the one two three kid or something like Mm. that you know (laughs) But you brought up a good point. Uh, high school wrestling fake. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I brought. Um, I remember a story where my friend we were we do language class together, mm-hmm. and he asked me. He said, he said, uh, he said, didn't you do wrestling like school wrestling? Mm-hmm. And I said, oh yeah. I was like, that was like in. Well, I did it in middle school, but I did it. Before that, I did it in elementary school, mm-hmm. and that was when wrestling was like at its at the top. You know, yeah, that was like attitude two, era. Like two thousand one was like I'm trying to remember. Like two thousand one was when wrestling was at its hottest. Yeah, hottest. Yeah. I mean, like there was like no other thing to watch, and so everybody was into it. And we would play on the playground. We would fucking just. Do these moves to each other, DDT, whatever, oh. and pretend we're NWO, mm-hmm. red and black, or white and black. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember wrestling, or this guy, this guy, the, one of the coaches was like, all right, you know, we're going to do wrestling. Mm-hmm. And so everybody was like, oh, yeah. So I remember there was like 50 kids that oh, showed up yeah. to this wrestling uh, practice. Yeah. And it was like, you know, we're going to go over, uh, or, you know, wrestling season has started and ele- we're looking for elementary kids and so there's like 50 kids yeah. and I remember we all went in there and then it was like this room about a, 
maybe double this room. Mm-hmm. And it was just all padded. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, this is cool. And we're just already like throwing each other in the wall, yeah. pretending it was ropes, yeah. doing clotheslines, oh, yeah. oh, doing yeah. moves. And he, I remember he walked in there and he was like, what's everybody doing? And we just kind of stopped. And then he said, all right, we're going to learn how to get out of a, God, what's that move where you're on all fours and somebody's behind you and they got your elbow oh, and you yeah. got to. You got to rotate your hips out yeah, in order to yeah, get out yeah. of that position. I don't know what it's called. I don't know either. I forget, but he was like, this is where we're going over. And we're like, what the fuck? Yeah. We want to do some elbow drops or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. some pedigrees. And then I remember the next day, everybody just quit. Oh, yeah, of course. And I eventually ended up quitting because it wasn't what I wanted, right. what I thought we were going to do. Yeah. And so. It wasn't the cool. It wasn't the real no, thing. There's no chair shots. <laughs> In high school wrestling, <laughs> all right. It's a lot of it's a lot of leotards <laughs> and high crotches, and it's like, nah, man. I want to do a swanton bomb, and you can't do it. There's no ladders. There's no la- there's no ring posts. I want to do a hardcore match yeah. for the hardcore title. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, but he asked me that, and then we were just cracking up about that, and I was like, yeah, dude, that was real. Like, mm-hmm. that's what we all thought. We all thought we we're gonna learn, like. Mm-hmm. Four horsemen techniques, yeah. uh, NWO stuff, and then it was just like high school wrestling. Yeah, I remember <laughs> the fake stuff. I remember as a kid, <laughs> God, being like so into wrestling, and then these two kids or this like group of kids were like, "All right, we're going to wrestle." Like, and I was like, "We're gonna like, yeah, whoever pins the one person wins or mm-hmm. whatever." So we're doing it, and then like, uh, I remember like the one kid pinned me to the ground but i was like on my stomach mm-hmm. right and i was like ah that's fine there's no worries you know because my shoulders aren't on the ground mm-hmm. right and then the one kid was like you lose and i was like what and he was like that's how it works in wrestling and i was like bullshit is that how it works in wrestling is this smack your shoulders on the mat and they're like that's fake stuff and i was like no it's not it's real i was so mad like, that's not how wrestling works <laughs> You know, pin someone's stomach to the mat, and that's how you win. <laughs> I got so upset. Uh, yeah, and I yeah, I got real. I was real passionate about my wrestling as yeah. a kid, and I still am to a degree. But I've learned how to function like a normal human. Yeah, same here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it was all over. And I remember when when chavo guerrero beat Rey mysterio in an i quit match and broke his knee and i was like oh, i hate it i dare you and like throwing stuff and crying in reality Rey mysterio really needed knee surgery bad they had to figure a way to write him out true <laughs> but i was like how could he do this you're eddie's nephew <laughs> like i was so upset i was so sad god it's so crazy to like when you finally catch on, yeah, yeah, and it's like I never caught on. I was I never told. <laughs> I was told by my dad. I think I was told by my friend because yeah. he he caught on early. Yeah, and he was he was saying like he's not really hurt because I think it was a uh, shit. Who was it? Somebody got hurt. Yeah. Quotation marks, and they were going to be out for a long time. Oh, yeah, but yeah. turns out they were doing a movie. Oh yeah, and it sounds like The Rock. It wasn't The Rock. It was a. Uh, Maybe Randy Orton. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Because gotcha. he was at a time he was doing some movies here and there, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then damn, what ha- he he did something and he got fucked up, and I was like, damn, that sucks. Like, because I liked Randy Orton. Yeah, he was he was like 
becoming my guy. Yeah. And uh, my friend is like, he's he's not he's not really hurt. He's I think he's doing something like they for did, another thing. They did the Marine Two. I know that the Marine Two was probably it. And there was another movie, but it was like straight to DVD. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, later on, like I think six months later, he was in a movie mm-hmm. we see it at Walmart. Right. And my friend was like, "Oh look, see, he yeah. wasn't hurt." Yeah. And then he came back and he was like better than ever. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, "Okay, well, I yeah. guess they just do this all the time." Then yeah. they they write you off with a, a injury. Yeah to heal up or get yeah. surgery or do something other yeah. than wrestling. Yeah. And it was like, okay, well I, I see how it works. I guess yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember my dad. I'm, I was like 11 or something. Uh-huh. And my dad was like, no, it's not real. Right. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> it is real. <laughs> and I like, remember like running up to my room and crying and being like, Meh. and then I was angry. So then I started watching MMA because I was like, oh, I'm going to watch real stuff now. <laughs> and then I was like, I stopped watching wrestling for a few years. Because uh, I was like, I'm not going to watch that. And I do, I distinctly remember, like, I stopped watching wrestling from, like, 2008 to, like, 2013. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I never really, I didn't really watch it that much. And uh, I remember, I remember, like, I stopped watching wrestling, like, 2008. And I went into a Walmart. And I saw, like, you know how they would sell the, the pay-per-views on DVD? Mm. They'd be like, Unforgiven or, or Armageddon or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing one of those, and The Miz was champion. Ooh, and yeah. I was like, that goober? Because when I quit watching wrestling, he was, like, with the faux hawk and yeah. the shorts, and he was, like, a joke. Yeah. And then, like, I looked at that, and he was, like, the champ. And I was like, what the hell happened here? <laughs> and so then I fell out of it. And then like, I don't know, 2013, I started, maybe 2012, I started getting back into it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, you know, I was back in. Like I had always kind of kept up with it, but I never really watched it. And mm-hmm. then yeah, I got back into it and I was like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> Because then I could appreciate it for what it is, which is a soap opera with steroids. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is, and it's great. I I was trying to I was talking to someone the other day and explaining like, yeah, it's a soap opera. Is a met like um. They they did a storyline where the Undertaker is in a coma, and then Kane is trying to figure out who put the Undertaker in a coma, and it turns out it was Kane. <laughs> Yes. And it's like it's such a soap opera storyline. <laughs> Kane, his evil brother. <laughs> uh, it's just almost an opera. It's uh, yeah. it's uh just great storytelling. Yeah. But I mean, I got back into it in 2014. Mm-hmm. And I think I stopped watching it around 2009 or 10. Mm-hmm. And I just I don't know. I just got to because it was off and on, mm-hmm. and I wasn't getting like a lot of the storylines that yeah. were happening, and yeah. I was lost. And yeah. so that was before WWE Network, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you had to actually buy the pay per views, and yeah. I could never get them anyway. So, yeah. but coming back, I worked a security job mm-hmm. and long nights, so yeah. I would watch. I was I just started catching up on Raw and SmackDown, yeah. and I would just constantly watch it on YouTube. People would rip them on YouTube, yeah, and so yeah. I would watch. And then I seen Brock was back, mm-hmm. um, part time. Known and The Rock came back, yeah. And then 
And it was crazy because, like, in 2014, and then the Wyatt family was there. Right. And then, like, from that span till now, mm-hmm. it's so crazy how everything just changes. Like, CM yeah. Punk left. Yeah. And then, like, the, the AEW started. Yep. And then, I mean, there was, like, there's competition now. Yeah. And then, and then like, Vince McMahon stepped down. Yeah. And then now he's back. Now he's back. And now... WWE sold to some company. I can't remember the they name. They sold to Endeavor, which is the company that also owns UFC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy times. Um, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, wrestling is such a, like I said, I've said, you know, I said it before the podcast. I said, uh, I think you can tell stories in wrestling that you cannot tell in other, any other medium. Mm-hmm. You know, like, because... Man, just some of the stories that I have seen in wrestling are that just go on forever and ever. And they're like true, like the Daniel Bryan story, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, Foley winning the belt for the first time, the the double turn with Hart and Austin. Like, it was really. It just you can tell stories that you could, you can't really like. Tell me a movie where the guy who was a good guy at the beginning and the guy who was a bad guy through the course of the movie switch, and you know like there's so and like there's so few of that and like and and they switch in at the same exact moment where one becomes the good guy and one the one that was the good guy is now the bad guy and the one that was the bad guy is now the good guy that almost never happens in movies mm-hmm. and uh, uh i think that really like cuz like there are movies where like there's two good guys and then one of them slowly becomes bad but like it's so rare that like the guy who was the villain and was truly a villain over the course of the movie slowly becomes the good guy um and I think that um, I don't know the 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 storytelling with wrestling is just magnificent when done right, and when it's bad, it's awful. But when it's done right, it's really good. And then also just like the athletic ability of it is incredibly impressive. And then like also just like how much they're willing to risk their health and and well being as performers is. Uh, uh, impressive and commendable in a way. And uh, uh, that has always been something that stuck with me as a performer myself. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I remember reading like Eddie Guerrero's book and like there were so many things in it that uh, uh, really resonated with me that I didn't realize why they resonated with me until I started performing. Where he was talking, you know, Eddie was talking about how the lie, cheat, and steal thing, mm-hmm. right? That's bad guy stuff. Bad guys lie, cheat, and steal, mm-hmm. you know? But the crowd loved it, and that was not the intention. It just was a thing that started happening, that where the crowd started to love it. And, like, him realizing you don't get deci- to decide what they think of you. You don't get to decide whether they cheer or boo for you. That is ultimately up to them. And it's like, oh... Yeah, I didn't realize, you know, like, that's a thing that you have to, like, as a performer, um, think about, Hmm. you know, like, where it's like, I'm going to do a thing. It is now up to you to decide what you think about it. Um, And you can try, you can, you know, say that this is how the audience is going to react, but you don't know. 
you do not know until you get to the point where you show it to them. And that's the risk in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like that and like, you know, him talking about drug addiction and, uh, and all those things like, uh, uh it was very formative for me cause I read his book, like cheating death, stealing life. I read that like, I would have been, I don't know, 10, really 11, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I was like, this is awesome. And I, I should go back and read it now as a, as a 27 year old and see what, what, what speaks to me and what doesn't. But yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Certain things about it always, always stuck with me. That's your guy, Eddie. That's my guy, Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. That's my dude. How come you liked him? I just, I thought he was funny and like he had great charisma and I love, I like that like more Matt based style, but mixed with the high flying, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I like Kurt Angle, uh, uh, I like, uh, uh, Chris Benoit well, as a wrestler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I admire his body of work and that's it. That's it. <laughs> That's all I admire. That's all we're saying. Uh, I, but I even like guys like Dean Malenko. And oh, I remember him. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Dean Malenko. But then I was also a big fan of like the cruiserweight wrestlers and the like Lucha Libre style. And uh, um, uh, yeah, I, I was never uh, there because there, I think there are the people who were like gravitated towards the big dudes, the like, you know, the, the Brocks and the big shows and the the like giant guys and i was like no 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 i like the like fast like quick moving like technical guys that mm. was always what i was more interested in and uh uh so the eddie just kind of was like that style like very like he was a great mix of high flying but also like technical map based wrestling and i mean definitely more of a high flyer yeah and, uh, that, you know, his match with, he was just, like, great as a heel, and he was, like, super likable as a baby face, and also just, like, reading about, like, the trials and tribulations in his personal life, uh, also, and then, you know, I liked him, and then, obviously, you know, he passed away uh, uh, in, like, what was it, 2004, no, I think. No, November 2005. Five? It's 2005, and I, it's because... Rey Mysterio won the 2006 Royal Rumble. True. Oh, yeah. Because uh, WrestleMania 22, which is the Royal Rumble, or which is the WrestleMania after, in 2006, I had it on DVD, and I watched it to death. Mm-hmm. I watched that over and over, and over to the point where uh, I could probably recite spot for spot the Edge versus McFoley match, the Shawn Michaels versus Vince McMahon match. Um, the, uh, I couldn't do the Money in the Bank ladder match, but like m- a lot of those matches, if I if especially if I'm watching them, I could be like, okay, and then this happens, and then this happens, and this happens. But uh, yeah, it's like the, the the specifically the the two hardcore matches because I liked I liked hardcore matches as a kid. Yeah. Uh, those I could like from memory be like, all right, it starts off with Vince McMahon posing in front of his poster, the, his muscle and fitness magazine cover. And then John Michaels goes, punches him, grabs the magazine poster and bashes him over the head with it. And then the spirit squad comes in. I'm not going to do the whole spirit thing. Spirit squad. The spirit squad. I remember them. Yeah. The evil oh cheerleaders. 
the evil male cheerleaders. Uh, Nikki, Mikey, Kenny. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, but like, I watched that so much. God, that was my thing. Yeah. I was so into wrestling. Man. Yeah, Eddie was... Uh... I remember him in WCW. Oh, yeah. WCW Eddie with the mullet. Yeah, with the mullet. Oh, so good. But for me, it was like I gravitated towards the NWO. Of course. And they so were the cool guys. They were the cool guys. It was like you didn't because I was so young. I just thought it was real. Yeah. It looked like real things happening. Yeah. And you were watching these things happen. Mm-hmm. And it was just like this t- sort of like gang mentality where they just ran everything of course and they were like whenever somebody would have a singles match they would all come out and they would just like fuck up the person that that person was wrestling and and it just seemed real like it was a time where like it was just a magical time of like i didn't know like what was real and like wasn't real on tv yeah right and then it was just like watching that it was like it was just like in that moment I was like, man, like this is crazy. Like I'm, I'm watching this happen. And then like I've, and then I got introduced to WWF. Yeah. You know, that was, it was called that back then. Yeah. I was channel surfing because of a commercial. Mm-hmm. And then I remember the first thing I ever watched on WWF was, uh, it was a street fight between, I think it was, uh, I want to say eights and aces, but I think that was a TNA faction. Oh yeah, aces and eights was a TNA faction. But there was like another like biker type faction in oh, WWF. Oh yes, I know who you're talking about. I, I can't remember their names. It was DOA. DOA. It was DOA. DOA. It was DOA versus um the Nation of Domination uh, in a street fight. The Nation of a Domination. domination. <laughs> it was so good, <laughs> and they were just going off on like they're hitting each other trash can lids and uh stop signs and chairs and like there was all this stuff happening mm-hmm. with like eight people on camera and i was just like what is this and i just like got caught up in that moment and i was like so there's two wrestling shows yeah but i didn't know they were different yeah i had no idea they were just competing against each other yeah. and it was just like so then that's where i learned on the remote on the remote, you could save like channel twenty-seven for network for USA Network, and then yeah. seventeen for TNT, and yeah. then just click back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whenever one was that commercial, you'd go to the oh, other man. one. Oh man! You see, so for me, it was awesome. By the time I got into wrestling, WCW was dead. Uh huh. Um, True. Yeah. Yeah, because WCW died in two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, um, I still remember the first wrestling thing I ever saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a lumberjack match between Kurt Angle and Eddie Guerrero. Mm-hmm. And then um, the Big Show comes back. And all the wrestlers jump on him. And the Big Show goes, yeah. and then they all go flying. And immediately <laughs> I was like, this is so cool. Yes. This is the coolest thing. And then... Uh, <laughs> My uh, my mom didn't want me to watch it. Mm-hmm. And my dad was like, I'll pay for WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, do it. And uh, yeah, it was so uh, it was so cool to me. And I remember as a kid, like when I was at my mom's house, I would like have wrestling on uh, recall. And then I would have like, I would be like, I would watch. So I would watch wrestling. And then if I heard my mom come in, I would switch it over to another channel. <laughs> 
<laughs> I would wait until my mom went away, and that was such a bad wrestling. <laughs> I remember doing that because my mom knew it. she was like, you know, it's too violent. You'll, 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 you know, it'll affect you. It probably did, but yeah. um, <laughs> I loved it so much. Recall. That was the button. That was the recall. That button. That was the recall button. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, I remember that too. The Big Show coming back. We're, what year did you? You said you started watching in the year of uh, like oh three, oh three, okay. So you missed that in- invasion storyline. I did miss the invasion okay. storyline. Uh, what a thing they wasted. <laughs> True. If Vince McMahon weren't such a petty, listen, I on my, I have t- railed on and on and on about how I hate Vince McMahon, but uh, like people are like he's a genius. I'm like, no, he isn't. <laughs> He doesn't even like wrestling. <laughs> he just it just happens to be how he makes money. True. <laughs> and he's not even a good businessman. <laughs> it just has a built in fan base. Alright, anyways. I hate Vince McMahon. Uh, <laughs> he's a terrible businessman. Every other business venture he's had has failed. True. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He's garbage. And I hate him. <laughs> Uh, not even to mention the fact that he's a pervert and a racist. <laughs> he is, man. There were some fucking crazy things that he said on TV. He said the N word yeah, on TV. On TV. <laughs> and acted like it was a joke. And then made Booker T stand there. Yeah. Ugh. And made it part of a. I don't know what that was. Yeah. I don't know if that was a storyline or if that was like. I don't know. I have no idea if. Because it was Cena and Booker T, were they. No, they weren't involved in they any were just, way, shape, or form. McMahon just did that. Yes. Yeah, on live TV. On live TV. On live fucking TV. Yeah. Yeah, it's on YouTube. You can go check it out. Yeah. Yeah, just type in, Vince McMahon says the N word. racist. And it's like, wow, yeah. that's fucking crazy. Yeah, and every single wrestler, I know there's a very funny moment on, on the other podcast. So, so Landry is, uh, 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 oh, I was talking about how like, no wrestler that portrays an ethnicity is actually that ethnicity, mm-hmm. you know, like, or, nor, or that nationality. Yeah. Like, like Ludwig, or I remember like Nikita Koloff, you know, played a Russian is actually Croatian, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 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 Yokozuna, Yokozuna played, uh, played a Japanese man is actually Samoan. Yeah. Right. And I, I thought that, Native American wrestlers were an exception mm-hmm. because I was like Tatanka is actually Lakotan, uh, is actually Lakota Lakota native, mm-hmm. and um, and I thought that Chief J Strongbow, oh yeah, was native, mm-hmm. and then I was we were talking about it and I looked it up and he's an Italian dude, yeah, and I was like God damn it, why why it's not necessary. <laughs> His name's like Ernie Scatelli or something. It's like the most Italian name. It's like Johnny Cannoli over here. It's like, like it's just like I don't get it. And why can't we just have? He couldn't have a more Italian name. Uh, we don't need. You could just have a wrestler be the the ethnicity, but like also stop forcing it because they did that to Apollo Cruz. Whereas like Apollo Crews, they made him start having a Nigerian accent because he's of Nigerian descent. Really? Yeah. They made him like start wearing like a Nigerian colors. Oh, I remember and that. And walk around with like a staff or a spear. 
and like mm. speaking with a Nigerian accent. And I was like, what the fuck? Is this 2019? Yeah, he was fine before. He was, he's great. Yeah. He was awesome before. Yeah. Dude's like jacked and doing backflips. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like awesome. But yeah. So yeah, I love wrestling, but I also hate wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, as the moment you can accept wrestling is stupid and often garbage. Then you can love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've said that. Yeah. I'm like, God, that pay-per-view was fucking terrible. Oh, my God. But yet this, I'm here still. Yeah. Night one of <laughs> WrestleMania this year was incredible. Yeah. It was a tour de force. Yeah. Night two was hot trash. Atrocious. Yeah. It was so bad. It was so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Because I watched the night two and I was like, yesterday should have been night two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, I think the one thing is like, uh, was it Elimination Chamber? Was it when Zayn wrestled Roman? Oh yeah, it was so good. It was a great match. Should have gave it to Zayn. Should have gave it to Zayn. He was in Montreal, hometown, hometown. Yeah, the crowd was going nuts, insane for it. And he was over, yeah. as a motherfucker. Yeah. And then they should have given it to Cody, and then they didn't give it to Cody. Yeah. Before that, you know, like, it's it, it's like, no, he's going to get to a thousand days and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. 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 Night one was great. And like, no match was terrible, you know. And mm-hmm. then night two was just bad. Yeah. Just so bad. And it happens with wrestling. That's the other thing with it is, you know, sometimes it's fantastic. And sometimes you're like, why am I here? Yeah. Why did I? <laughs> why, why did I watch? I, why did I watch this? <laughs> Why, why, why did I spend? Why did I invite friends over and cook tacos to watch this? Yeah. <laughs> why? Uh, I yeah. It. I better love it. I I've been it. disappointed with Royal Rumbles lately. Oh yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Some Royal Rumbles are like, uh, you know, a lot of the times, Royal Rumble's the greatest match type of all time. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. fantastic. But. Um, what is it? Uh, uh, there was a period of like like the 2010 to like 2000 like I think 2010 was the one edge one which was not bad, but like 2011 to like 2016 they were all bad. Yeah, you know like there there was like uh, a lot of them were like not great. Mm-hmm. You know, like the 2007 Rumble, I remember very fondly. That's the one where Undertaker wins. Oh, yeah. Which is a great one. Mm-hmm. And then the 2008 one is the one in Madison Square Garden where John Cena comes back at number 30. Oh, yeah. That one was great. Uh, I think 2009, Seamus wins? Or like... Seamus... No, it's not 2000. I don't know. I don't remember it being a great one. Mm-hmm. But 2008 is when wrestling really entered a rough period. Mm-hmm. Like the like 2008, uh, and then like 2013, it got a little bit better. And then it, you know, kind of was like good and then bad and then good and bad. And then like lately, it had been pretty damn good. And now Vince is back, and now it's like mm-hmm. yeah. But you got AEW now, but AEW was good for like two years, and then now it's like, uh, you know, it's like not as great as it was, you know. Like I hate to say it because I really wanted to succeed, but like, mm, yeah, mm, 
I haven't watched AEW in a long time now. Yeah. Is it how much has changed from it from when it first well, started? What it is is I feel like Tony Khan wrote out like two years worth of storylines mm-hmm. before he ever did AEW. Yeah. Right? Like it's this is what it feels like, right? He wrote out like two years worth of storylines and they were great. That those two years were really good. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like it's kind of flying by the seat of its pants. And so there's like good things and there's like MJF is incredible. He's a fantastic heel. Yes. He's so good. Um, but then like other parts of it, like I think part of the problem with, with AEW is a, a similar problem with that TNA had where it's got a lot of great up and coming young guys, but it's struggling to get out of WWE's shadow mm. and really make its young guys their top guys, you know? Because now it's like, you know, it's like MJF's great. And then like Jungle Boy's getting really good. And uh, Darby Allen's great. Mm-hmm. And a couple other guys that are, Sammy Guevara's great. Mm-hmm. They're all young guys. They're all kind of homegrown guys. But then they're like, don't forget about Chris Jericho and, and Daniel and Brian Danielson and, and CM Punk and all these other guys. And it's like, just commit to your new guys, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, yeah, I think they just, I think they struggle with the storytelling part of wrestling, you know? Whereas uh, um, the in-ring action is brilliant, but that's not what grabs new people. Yeah, you know what grabs new people is good stories and things like that. Whereas WWE has great stories, but a lot of the times the in-ring stuff doesn't live up to it. They've gotten better about it, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I think that is a, a thing. It it it. It needs to work on the storytelling aspect AEW does. Um, and, you know, accept its shortcomings. And I think it's gotten better about it. But, like, way back in the day, like, back when AEW first started, all it did was make fun of WWE. And it got real old real fast. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, hey, be different. I get that another thing exists. Ignore, move on, do what you need to do, mm-hmm. you know, so, I don't know, eh, this is my opinion. <laughs> the one thing I remember when AEW kind of first started was, um, didn't Cody smash something with a sledgehammer? Oh, yes. Which was in like a subliminal kind of diss towards Triple H. It, was, it wasn't subtle in any way, shape, or form. Literally, they made a replica of one of Triple H's thrones and that smashed it. it with a sledgehammer, which was okay. like Triple H's weapon. True, yeah. I thought it was a headstone for some reason. No, no, no. That's why I was like subliminally no, no, no. dissed him. But no, it was, I remember it was now it was, it was a fucking throne Yeah, and he smashed yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember now. Yeah, and like, you know, AEW still has the giant, what is it, like, Vince McMahon made a comment about, like, uh, uh, you gotta grab the brass ring, you gotta, you gotta grab the brass ring, you gotta grab it, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so he was like, you're gonna grab the brush ring. And so then AEW made like a ladder match for a brass ring, like a giant, like donut thing. (laughs) What? Really? Yeah. And they still use it. They still use the giant. It's so stupid looking. It looks so dumb. It looks like a Funyun. It looks like a shiny Funyun. Why are we using that as your... <laughs> Get something cooler. God. I'm going to look that up, bro. I don't even, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yes. <laughs> it's so stupid. And it's like... it's Wrestling's easy, okay? Like, doing wrestling is hard, but riding wrestling is super easy. Yeah. It's just... God. And then, like, what was it? Vince McMahon, like, sent out a memo that was like, no more slapping your legs when you do kicks. God damn it. God damn it. I'm slapping your legs. And then AEW backstage, like, very prominently put up a sign, like, definitely slap your leg or whatever. And it was, Vince was like, <laughs> Stupid. Yeah, I heard about the ban list he has too, Vince yeah. McMahon, mm-hmm. and it's just like a lot of stuff on there is like, what? Yeah, I don't even understand like why some of that's banned. But oh, yeah, the the Shooting Star Press and the Pile Driver and all that stuff. But yeah, it was like, yeah, it's like be your own thing. Don't. Mm-hmm. This is what it is. I think AEW for a long time was trying to be the alternative to WWE mm-hmm. when it should have been trying to be AEW. Yeah. It should have been its own thing and like worked on it, you know, worked on its weaknesses and like really, uh, 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 you know, dived in on its strengths. And I think it's starting to do that, but we're still in like a transitionary period. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know. But I also like, I like a lot of things that I think a lot of wrestling fans hate. And I hate a lot of things that like wrestling fans love. Mm -hmm. Like Jim Cornette. I hate Jim Cornette. (laughs) (laughs) You angry old man. Shut up. (laughs) If you had your way, wrestling would be a guy in his underwear hugging a guy in his underwear for 30 minutes. Like, uh, we know there's a reason wrestling isn't the way it was in the 70s. Move on. (laughs) Uh, But also, um, uh, like I love like my one of my do you remember the Firefly Funhouse match? Yeah, yeah. That was so I loved the Firefly Funhouse yeah. match. It's not a match. Yeah, it is not a match. But I loved it. Mm-hmm. The Vince McMahon puppet with the devil horns. Yeah, where he's like, this is such good shit. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> it was so funny. But that's I like my wrestling dumb. I like when my wrestling accepts that it is silly and goofy. Mm-hmm. And says, even though it's silly and goofy, we're going to be cool. Like, you, it, it it can be all the things, you know? That's what makes it so great, is it can be silly and goofy and then serious and emotional and then, like, bloody and violent and then wacky and funny. You know, like, it, it can be all those things at once. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that just... I like doing that Vince voice. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> oh, where's the Where's the beef? You don't have a beef. <laughs> just, just see the body Ventura. Yeah. Not eleven wasn't inside. Shut up. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. 
I mean, it's true though. Like yeah. it. I don't know. I liked. I like Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt's great. Bray Wyatt was fucking amazing, and then the Wyatt family was so cool. Oh, so great! It was new, and it was something way different than mm-hmm. what anything was happening on WWE at mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. And then they brought in Braun Strowman, and it yeah. was a four team, four faction, four thing, man faction, yeah. four man faction, and then they got rid of Braun or something. I don't. Have, then it yeah. went back to three. Yeah. So Braun went off on his own. Yeah. Yeah. And then. And then did Br- did Bray get hurt or because then I guess uh, Brody Lee and Eric their contract ran out or something? Yeah, yeah. So like their contract ran out, and then they like Eric Rowan became a good guy, and Luke Harper became a bad guy, and then they they wrestled each other too. Yeah, they made them wrestle each yeah, other too, yeah. right? It was back when they were doing the Authority storyline. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, which had good moments. It did. It, it had its moments. moments. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So then, but then, like, yeah, Brody Lee's contract expired, and then Eric Rowan's contract expired, and they were like, "We're gonna call him Eric Redbeard at an <laughs> <laughs> And uh, then he, you know, uh, Luke Harper went back to went to went to AW and became Brody Lee again, mm-hmm. and. And uh, unfortunately passed away, which is really sad. And then Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt always butted heads with Vince. Mm-hmm. They just didn't see eye to eye creatively. And I thought Bray Wyatt was brilliant. But the problem was like every time he was starting to get somewhere, they would pull the momentum out from underneath yeah. him. And then he went away. And then people kind of soured on Bray Wyatt recently uh, with his like uncle howdy stuff that he's doing. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. They've kind of soured on it. And now he's out. uh, He's been out with an illness for a couple months now. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. I think since January he's been out with an illness. Damn. I was looking at that last night because like I'm, I watch it every now and again, and then I, I always watch the pay-per-views, though. But I remember, like, every week, it started to become every week was, like, Bray Wyatt and the Firefly Funhouse, and Uncle Howdy started coming. Yeah. And so they were introducing Uncle Howdy, who I think is Bo Dallas. Yes. Uh, spoiler. Uh, so I, I thought that was kind of cool, mm-hmm. and they were introducing that. But did you like Alexa in that? No. Okay. No. I'm not the only one. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't see the point in that. No, no. no. It's yeah, Alexa's good on her own. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't need that gimmick or whatever. But, yeah. but then I don't know. I just stopped hearing about Uncle Howdy and Bray Wyatt, yeah. and then I just never looked into it. And I just, last night I remember just going on YouTube, mm-hmm. and there's an older clip of Uncle Howdy, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah. whatever happened with that? And I looked, and it was it's been months since you that yeah. like since January that yeah. they, they did anything, and I was just like, oh well, maybe. Maybe want somebody left or yeah, yeah. No, he was uh, he was sick he, and still is sick. And Randy Orton's maybe done forever. I saw that on yeah, yeah, which is, which is sad. Um, but yeah, his back's he had to have surgery, and uh, doctors are saying, according to Cowboy Bob Orton, mm-hmm. which listen, it's coming from a wrestler, so always take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, but according to Cowboy Bob Orton. Uh, doctors are saying Randy shouldn't 
wrestle ever again. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a bummer. Because Randy, Randy, Randy got a lot of slack for being boring, but I think Randy's great. Yeah, I think he's really good. But yeah. I get it. I get it. It's a lot of headlocks. Yeah, he did a lot of headlocks for a very long time. Yeah, true. Yeah, and I just saw John Cena said he's probably done too. Oh yeah, but yeah, that's that's been I've I wrote off John Cena years. Did ago. you? Yeah. Well, he did the interview, and I saw it on TikTok, and he was saying like, "My body just can't do it anymore." Yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah. said like, "What you seen at WrestleMania? Yeah, that was all I can do." Yeah. And not every night. It's just like every now and again I can do that. Yeah. He said, but he's like, I just, I honestly don't even think I could do that anymore. Yeah. And I was like, dang. It's, yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's a very hard, hard on your body, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't blame him. I don't think he should do it. Like, like if your body can't do it, like, don't do it, man. Like, if you can't. And I say this about comedy all the time whenever people, like, talk to me about, like, ah, my heart isn't in it. I'm like, then quit. Yeah. Like, and I'm not being a dick. I'm just saying, like, it will eat you alive. So, like, if you're not going to go in 100%, don't do it. Yeah. Because don't it, – it, it will destroy you, you know? So – and I'm not saying that with any – ounce of pretension or or saying like i'm stronger for doing it or anything i'm just sick i don't know why i'm continuing to do it you know Mm -hmm. um but i just love it and and you know can't imagine not doing it but if you know if you're not in it a hundred percent like stop yeah because there's so many better things for you to do Mm -hmm. with your time um and and it's not like comedy and wrestling both like comedy's really lonely for the most part it's a lot of being on the like i mean you know i'm moving to chicago i'm leaving behind 99 percent of people i know mm-hmm. my entire family uh all my friends except for like two people i know in chicago and uh uh that's an insane thing to do and uh, I, you know, I accept that. Uh, I accept like I'm taking a giant risk, but it's like I just got to. I just mm-hmm. have to. And also, like, comedy leads a lot of people like to like drinking too much and doing drugs too much or staying out way too late, and it can really negatively impact your life if you're not careful. And the same thing goes for wrestling, like. If you can't commit to it 100%, I wouldn't recommend doing it. Mm-hmm. Just because it's so uh, uh, danger adjacent, you know. Uh, and uh, that's why I, uh, I say John Cena shouldn't do it. He just, He's doing great in Hollywood and doing movies and, and shows and things like that. Hosting TV shows and... Uh, I think he should stay doing that. Like, uh, I think a lot of wrestlers uh, stay way too long, and that really hurts them. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I would much rather see people be healthy and happy and uh, uh, leaving, le- leading fulfilling lives well into their 60s and 70s than uh, uh, going way too hard. Uh, uh, when they're young and not being able to enjoy the latter half of their life. 
True. Yeah. Yeah. There's one real one left. Yeah. Stink. Oh, oh, the, barely. That man is. <laughs> that man is barely hanging on. <laughs> and it's like, buddy, buddy, I love you to death. Yeah. I do. But you're. What? Sixty. He's got to be sixty. Yeah. Well, how yeah. old? How's old is old? Is old Steve Borden? I think he's close to sixty. Yeah. I think Taker's older than him. Yeah. I want to say, but. The last thing I remember Sting doing was jumping 60, off. 64. He's 64? He is 64. No shit. The last time I remember him seeing doing was jumping off a rail mm-hmm. onto somebody on some tables. And I was like, that was like two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the fuck is Sting? That's my guy right there. But 64? He is 64. Dude. It's like, listen, man. I love you. Yeah. I love you, Sting. And listen, if you can't quit, I get it. I mm-hmm. get it. But if you can, do. And it's not because you're bad. It's not because I don't want to see you. Yeah. It's because I want you to be healthy and be able to enjoy the rest of your life. That's what it is. Because mm-hmm. the margin for error is so great. You know, or like the the possibility of like shattering your spine. Yep. Is so it's like Ric Flair's last match. That was pretty scary. It was so depressing. Yeah. And it was like I, this man is dying. Yeah. You know, like I thought he was gonna really injure himself. Yeah. In that match, because I watched it on YouTube, and I was like, any any second he's gonna tweak something or something's gonna go terribly wrong. Yeah. And it just wasn't. The Ric Flair I remember watching as a kid, it was no. like, it was so crazy because it was like, damn. He himself said he like passed out twice during that match. And then after the match, he was, he passed out again after the he match? He was like severely dehydrated. That, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. 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 <laughs> damn. The the bar. Ric Flair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's crazy though. fly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it sucks, man. I think about it all the time is like. When you're a kid, you you see them mm-hmm. at their peaks or whatever, mm-hmm. and then as we get older, it's like they get older yeah. too, and it's like fuck, they just can't do it no more. Yeah, yeah, like Undertaker versus Goldberg in Saudi Arabia. Oh, that was it. Was like God damn it. That was bad. Yeah, that was really bad. Yeah, didn't Taker almost didn't Goldberg almost break his neck or something? Yeah, he like took a move. And like got busted open real bad, yeah. Accidentally, and uh, almost broke his neck. And someone I think got concussed. And then like was it Triple H also had that match in Saudi Arabia and like tore a muscle or something like. Oh yeah. Like tore like this, like his like shoulder muscle or maybe one of his pectoral muscles. Wasn't that him and Shawn Michaels versus the Brothers of Destruction? Yes. Yeah, it was it was that DX. Was bad. It was DX versus the Brothers of Destruction. I think the like combined age of those wrestlers was like two hundred and fifteen years old or <laughs> yeah. something like that. Like they were all over fifty. True. And it was like, guys, guys. Yeah, I was excited for that, and then when I watched it, I was like, Mm-mm. dude, Mm-mm. just stop, please. Yeah. Yeah. I love y'all, but yeah, it it comes. It 
comes from a place of love. This is gonna get, we're gonna get real dark here for a second. Mm-hmm. I had a dog who was like sixteen or something. She was old. Mm-hmm. She was a black lab, and I just remember her like she was just getting old and she wasn't moving as fast. And from a place of love, every morning I would wake up, I would go ho- outside. And she would be sitting in my garage and she would be looking at and like she would be sleeping. And then I would open the door and she would like look at me and I would be like, "Ah, you can go. Yeah, you can. You can. You you know, it's okay if you don't wake up. You know, it's like I love you Mm -hmm. and I I will miss you dearly. Uh, But you're obviously in pain. And like so. So then eventually, you know. We had to go put her down. Yeah, but um, like that's it, it. It just comes from. It truly does come from a place of like love and care for those people, uh, where it's like I love you, and therefore I don't want to see you get hurt, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, sometimes that's just what you got to do. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta be like, the hard, the the correct thing to do, the right thing to do is like the hard thing to do. Yeah. It often is so. Yeah, wrestlers going past their prime is always sad. Yeah. It's like, guys, just... uh... But it's hard to know. You know, it's like, you've been the guy for like 30 years. It's hard to accept that you're no longer that. Yeah, it is. Man, tough talk, man. Tough talk for (laughs) for wrestling. But before we cut it... uh, since you're moving, yeah. is the podcast still going to happen? Yeah, what is wrestling should still be going. I'm gonna, we're gonna, we usually record like four or five of them at a time mm-hmm. uh, to make sure we have like a backlog. So we'll probably do some recording. I'm gonna be taking some recording equipment so we can do it uh, uh, virtually. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so that'll be going. Uh, also, uh, uh, you can like follow me. Pre- I think pretty much everywhere at Ethan Sandoval Comic. Like TikTok, Instagram. I'm not on Twitter because it's a hellscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> follow me on uh, Instagram and TikTok uh, on that. My last show is the 26th. Um, I'll be doing a, a farewell show at the Spotlight Theater. Uh, I'll be you know performing, doing maybe 45 minutes to an hour on stage, and I will have uh, some friends on uh, and also fantastic comedians in their own right uh, performing as well. And uh, it's going to be a huge, fun time. Uh, tickets are available. Uh, there's an event on Facebook. And also tickets are available on the Tulsa Spotlight Theater's page. Um, and they're $12 if you pre-order them. And they're $20 at the door. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, and then obviously, follow me everywhere. And be on the lookout for me in Chicago. Because that's where I'm going to be. And uh, yeah. Also, if you want to book me, book me. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, um, it was great to, you know, talk. Yeah. Sit down and talk with you. Um, and if you're ever down again, let me know. Yeah. We can do the pod again, talk about wrestling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll be sure to catch up more on wrestling. Yeah. And, uh, you know, wish nothing but the best for your move. Thank you so you know, much. And I hope everything works out yeah. to your advantage over there. Mm-hmm. You know, like Thank just... You good networking good good things to happen um that's my wife don't worry that like ghost oh god <laughs> no but yeah man uh thank you for coming on and making time and yeah i wish nothing but the best for everything man yeah, thank and, you so much i appreciate it 
and it's better um, not. yeah you know and yeah. for real like let me know if you ever come back and you want to come back on and yeah absolutely shit we'll just talk about wrestling and <laughs> if i'm ever out that way i'll hit you up yeah yeah absolutely and uh, you know we can try to we can get you on uh, what is wrestling one of these days we have we're starting to get into guests mm-hmm. so we'll get there yeah yeah definitely hell yeah well everybody go follow him keep up with him mm-hmm. and you're gonna have more sets on your page youtube channel i'm gonna try i'm gonna, yeah, gonna start try. trying to be better about that i'm getting my i'm taking my camera equipment with me to, to chicago and okay. i'm just trying to be better about that yeah because we all want to catch up with you keep yeah. up with you mm-hmm. see how it's going over there yeah, yeah. Awesome. but everybody uh buy your tickets for sh- last show here in tulsa mm-hmm. and that is at the spotlight the tulsa spotlight theater. tulsa spotlight theater it's on riverside yes so everybody get your tickets now mm-hmm. And we'll see y'all Friday and uh, follow Oki Podcast where you listen to podcasts. Yeah, Apple, Spotify, follow me on Instagram at Oki Podcast, at Russmus49, at Sun Eagle Media, uh, OkiePodcast.com, and uh, follow the new name. I forgot the name. <laughs> Shit. Unsolved Mysteries of the Reservation. We got a new name, but I forgot the name. But we got a new name for that. Just go find us. It's still the same name. We're going to probably change it soon. But yeah, uh, until next time, everybody. Peace. Thank you.